You're listening to the OKC82 Podcast with Brady Trantham and Madison Morris. The best place for OKC Thunder basketball. A part of 1077 The Franchise Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the OKC82 Podcast. Brady Trantham, Madison Morris. Um, Yeah, the Thunder lost again. This has become become a recurring theme over the last almost month. Um, And I I did the math because, Madison, it takes me, as you know, it takes me a while to do math. No, same. Um, On February 22nd, that was... um, well, I guess technically on February 23rd when that game finally ended against Utah and that double overtime thriller, the Thunder, of course, won that game. They were 32-20. and 20. Mm. They were 18 games, over 500, and they were just sitting pretty at the three spot. They had a stranglehold seemingly on the third seed, and if they had won the, the game two nights later in Denver, probably could have really – earn the two seed because they do have another game against Denver in Oklahoma City so who knows what could have happened but of course the Thunder lost that game and in addition to that loss in only 26 days the Thunder are now sitting at the eighth seed having lost a lot of games that sucks Um, yeah it is just this was I mean this was just another example of what we've seen all year the Thunder either the Thunder are up big and then their opponent comes back and the Thunder win or lose, or the opponent gets up big, the Thunder come back, and the Thunder win or lose. And tonight, you know, out of those four scenarios, it was the latter. The Thunder were down early, fought and scratched and clawed back to force overtime by outscoring the Raptors 32-14 to 14 or so, and then couldn't score in overtime. Paul George fouled out. Um, the Thunder lose, and, yeah, they are now tied with San Antonio and Los Angeles, both of whom have the tiebreaker over the Thunder in the eight spot. Oh my gosh. It it's an absolute debacle right now, honestly, because I was watching this game thinking there's no possible way that this eight thirty tip is gonna go into overtime tonight. Like I'm it, sorry. It never fails. It never fails. And I'm sorry to be a pessimist when I say this, but I was just thinking there's no way the Thunder are going to come back and make this into an actual game. It just looked way too far gone. And I really I mean I'm sorry, I really did think it did. Toronto led by nineteen at one point. It was just I mean, it was it was a booty beaten, and so I was just kind of very pessimistic when it came to oh well, the Thunder could definitely come back and win this game. I was just I kind of wrote them off, and I'm sorry to say that, but um, I mean, yeah, don't be sorry. They're they're I the mean, ones that are yeah, they're, they're the ones, they're that, the are ones that are sorry right now. But yeah, so uh, what was it? The final uh, it was there was about two minutes left in regulation and. Uh, Brady and I usually make our way out to the tunnel at that point, so we were walking out there, and by by all means, I mean, I swear, it was just like a night and day difference. I think they were down like either seven or five when we started walking out there, and then we got out there, and of course, Russell Westbrook uh, got that nice little layup to tie it at 110, all with what, like four point something seconds in, and I really do want to applaud Russell on that because I thought this is going to be a classic Russell Westbrook trying to be the ultimate hero of the game, and he's going to chunk up an absolute garbage three trying to at least make it a one-point lead for the Thunder at the buzzer, and he didn't. He actually drove it back in, got a pretty easy layup to tie it, and so it just, I mean, it was weird, but at the same time, it was kind of like a jaw-dropping moment where, wow, the Thunder actually came back and made this into a game with four seconds left, and that's what forced overtime, so it was just kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, Russell definitely, I mean, I 
the, the loss is not on one player. And, no. and it's certainly not on Russell Westbrook. I mean, he was 16 of 29, 5 of 10 from the three-point line, 42 points, 11 rebounds, six assists. Um, you know, a lot of times looked like, you know, the player from a few years ago that was just an absolute asteroid running down the floor. And there was even that that one basket, I think under two minutes left, where uh, the Raptors missed it. And I think the Thunder are down six at this point. Mm-hmm. And he gets the rebound and just outruns the Raptors, just everybody. Like, you know, there's two guys. I think one of them was uh, Van Fleet that was already in the process of backpedaling mm-hmm. on defense, assuming that the the uh, field goal was going to be missed on his offensive end. And Russell still beat his ass down the floor <laughs> and hit the layup, and the Thunder got down four. And, of course, they ended up forcing overtime. Gave themselves a shot with a second left after a uh, – an offensive foul, I believe, on Kawhi Leonard. Or it might have been on, no, it was on Pascal Siakam. Uh, Pascal Siakam commits the charge with a second left. The Thunder have an inbounds play, and of course, Russell Westbrook takes takes the ball and turns around, heaves a three that doesn't even hit, and overtime. But of course, Paul George fouls out, so there's no Paul in the third or in the overtime. So the Thunder are shorthanded. The Thunder had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I think on their first two possessions, they had, I think they were, they had five looks, mm-hmm. and every single one of them were great, and they missed all of them. Toronto, in that span, had only hit one shot. So yeah, they missed five shots, but Toronto had only hit one shot, so they're only up two. And then after their their next possession, the Thunder missed I think two more, and then Toronto hit a three, and then from pretty much there it was over. The Thunder didn't score their first bucket in overtime until about 30 seconds left on a Westbrook dunk, and it was just kind of no one cared at that point. Right. Um, but, you know, with Westbrook, you know, the eight turnovers, that's that's too much. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody else on the team had – I mean, Paul has two, Grant has two, Adams with three, um, Schroeder with one, and that was it. The Thunder only had yeah. 17 turnovers. Um, Paul, until very late, he hit two big threes to help force overtime. And the, the shame of it mm-hmm. was, like, he was sitting on five fouls and then got called for a six foul um, late. Um, just still doesn't really look like he's there yet. Right. And it's just a case of the Thunder not being able to, you know, just piece together, you know, good Russell Westbrook with great Paul George. They haven't been able to do that in the um, post-All-Star break uh, part mm-hmm. of the season. Because even with, like, a lot of these defensive lapses that this team has gone through, and even with all these, like, these games where guys are either in danger of fouling out, guys have fouled out, or the team just sends the opponent to the line way too much, like, even in that victory against Portland, uh, and then, of course, the loss in Indiana. Um, if they are able to put that or a good Paul George and a good Russell Westbrook together, they probably win a handful more of these games in this bad stretch just because those guys are so damn good. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, really, I think the one of the ma- major problems with this team is the defense, the fouling, and then in addition with the defense, they're not forcing that many turnovers. They they, they forced 19 from Toronto. They, they forced three early, and I thought, okay, this is going to, you know, this looks like kind of how a Thunder game started two months ago yeah. when they would just get out in the fast break really early and get out to a, an early lead and kind of sustain that lead. And um, they forced like a handful late in kind of desperation mode, um, mainly in the, in the main course of the game. They're, they're not using their length. Or they are, or they're, or they're, and they're getting called for a foul. They're not getting turn. They're not getting points off of turnovers, or they are getting turnovers, and they're themselves either missing the shots, or committing a turnover on the opposite end. Yeah, it's it's just not all there for this team. And 
Um, I we're, we're getting to the point where we can no longer call this a slump. Yeah, no, I completely what, agree. What, they're five and... They're, they're what, four and 11 in their last 15 games yeah, or something, something like, like that? that yeah. yeah, this is... That's not a slump. That's a problem. This is bad. Yeah, right now it's a problem just because what Brady was saying, they have a bunch of loose ends that they cannot seem to pull together. Uh, I really like what you said about how you can't – or this team has not had a really great Paul George and a really great Russell Westbrook at the same time, and I really think that's something that would be such a game changer for this team and where they're going forward. That hasn't happened yet. It's kind of an either-or or a not-at-all. And so that's been a pressing problem, um, especially after All-Star break. Obviously, there's just been a, a plethora of issues. And I think it was that was tonight that Billy Donovan even uh, kind of brought light to that. He said in his pregame presser that things have just not been the same after All-Star break. There have been a lot of things that this team has had to deal with. And, I mean, obviously it's going to affect the outcomes of games. And, yes, it has. That's pretty apparent. We don't need to sit here and tell you guys that. But... Um, at the same time, I just think there are a lot of consistency issues within this team right now. They just have a lot of loose ends, and it's very uh, this night it's one thing, this next night it's another thing. And so if they can just really figure out a way to pull all of these loose strands together and kind of figure something out and find the silver lining in all of this, then I think it could be a game changer with the season. But right now, what, they have 10 games left. They're going to have to have this exact same game in two more or in two days probably like less than two days really yeah it's 12:50 right yeah now, it's so. definitely 12:50 right now so less than two days they're gonna have this exact same game but this time it's going to be over in Canada and so they're really gonna have to turn it on because this game is basically just leading up to the exact same matchup that they're gonna have to deal with in less than 48 hours and if they're going to perform the exact same way and let Toronto get out to an incredible lead and basically own the entire game until the fourth quarter then I just really I don't think it's going to go well for them in Toronto, which kind of sucks because that would be a fifth straight loss, and that's really not something that this team needs right now, especially now that they fall into the eighth seed. And that's just it's very discouraging. Yeah, they're, I mean their last ten games, one of them is Memphis on the road, and with the way this team's playing, that's not a gimme. The rest the rest of their nine games are not gimmies. I mean they also play the Lakers, but that's LeBron James. Um, if he plays, that is. There could be some load management in that game. Right. They got Dallas and Oklahoma City, and uh, Dallas always oh plays boy. Oklahoma City really, really well. Even in their lone victory against the Mavericks, uh, Dallas played the Thunder fairly well in that uh, New Year's Eve game. Yeah. I mean, you got Houston, Detroit, Minnesota on the road, Milwaukee on the road, uh, the Pacers next week, on uh, this time next week, that is, in Oklahoma City, Denver in Oklahoma City on Friday night. Um, Paul George said in the post game, um, in the locker room, he said um, that they're that they you know they they know their standings. They know what happens when they win when they win and lose. They're not they're not dumb. Yeah, they're just like us. They scoreboard watch as well. They're human beings. But um, he also said that they control their own destiny. And in theory, yeah, that's correct. Like, yeah, you go out there, you can go ten and zero, and mm. this is all somewhat forgotten except for the whole well. Dang, they had the three seed, but now they're in the middle of the pack. But um, I think it's going a little bit beyond, you know, just simply going out there and playing better Mm -hmm. because it's not like they're losing these games because of just, okay, like um, they had a bad night at the free throw line in this game, and that's why they missed some key free throws late. Or, 
Um, their opponent was just on fire from the three-point line, mm-hmm. and it was just one of those nights. They haven't had a, a one-of-those-nights games from their opponent in this stretch. It has just been the Thunder have not played well in multiple facets of the game of basketball. And it's been – it's frankly been really hard to watch. And it, it's hard to watch just because, you know, it's frustrating to, to see good, talented basketball teams that have shown, you know, you and me, you know, fans, other media members, their capability, and then mm-hmm. they just all of a sudden just throw it away. And, yeah, yeah, of course, it's not – they're not doing this on purpose, but, um, you know, just simple things like hitting free throws, um, staying true to your identity and forcing turnovers and getting out on the fast break, um, hitting, hitting easy jumpers, just jumpers that this team was hitting with relative ease, even during the early parts of the season, when guys like Ferguson and Grant were still kind of getting going, um, shooting from the floor, this team has just, it's, they failed in multiple facets of the game, and it's just made them kind of a man. They, they had such a hold on the three seed, and now they could, you know, it, there's still a lot of basketball to be played, and they can certainly flip this. They can turn it around. I don't want to say flip the switch; that implies something else, but they can they can turn it around. They yeah. they have the capability to. But now they're getting talked about, you know getting the eight seed and then probably getting bounced in four against Golden State and a month and a half ago that would have been so silly to say yeah I mean that wasn't this that wasn't the case at all a month ago <clears throat> like you said this team was pretty it was pretty comfortable up high where it was or where it was where they were and so now it's just kind of weird to sit back and watch this team completely crumble because they're not the same team that they were a month ago I don't I don't want to just sit here and be like, oh, it's personal reasons. It's this. It's injury. It's fatigue. It's this. Like, who knows? Like, I, I think we can sit here and kind of guess about it all night, but no one really knows. They might not even know. Things just might be going wrong. So it's just an unfortunate type of thing that's going on with this team, but they're just going to have to figure something out to power through the rest of these 10 games because these 10 games are hard. And I feel like you know, teams especially like Indiana and uh, the Timberwolves they have again. They have the Lakers. They have Dallas. Kind of what Brady was already talking about. Like, these teams are going to come in here and they're going to take advantage of every little slip-up that OKC makes. And they're going to want to see this team fail because this is a very good thing to see a team that has superstars like Russell Westbrook and Paul George on it just crumble and not do well and not live up to the expectations that people put on them. So, I mean, these teams are going to come in here and they're going to play their hardest. They're going to play their best and they're going to make sure that they get this win over Oklahoma City. And that's just that's just something that they're going to have to take into account. And I'm talking about the Thunder. Like, they're going to have to figure something out because this is crucial now. And, I mean, if they don't want to get bounced in four games against Golden State, then by God, like – Step it up. Yeah, I mean, the caveat coming into this kind of the tougher part, the back end of their schedule was, yeah, their schedule is really tough, but the majority, the vast majority of their games are at home or the Thunder at the time. I can't remember when this was. It was probably around um, the San Antonio loss in San Antonio a few weeks ago. Oh, the, the Thunder have only lost nine times in mm-hmm. Oklahoma City. So, I mean, if you're going to have a tough part of your schedule, um, have it be at home if you're the Thunder. This is the third straight game that the Thunder have lost. A, at home, and B, they've trailed by 19, at least 19 in all three of these games. It's just been, they've just been run out of their own gym. And, I mean, yes, there are a lot of 
reasons that you can kind of throw to the wall and that, that can somewhat stick to as to the reasoning of this team's kind of failures in the last few weeks. You know, Paul George's injury, um, which, I mean, I don't know at this point if we can still blame it completely, blame Paul George's shooting completely on that because he'll have nights like Miami. He looked mm-hmm. fine. He yeah. looked like, you know, pre-All-Star break Paul George. He was 5 of 7 at one point, and then Miami went on a huge run, and um, – Paul just didn't shoot as much. So I guess his lack of aggression might be a little hindered and that, you know, could be a big factor in his uh, lack of scoring. But um, at this point, you know, he had missed three games. The Thunder went one and two in those three games. He's played a handful of games since then. He's fine enough to play. So, I mean, I don't know how long you want to be, you want to keep using the Paul George injury reason as that's why the Thunder started to suck. Um you know, acclimating Markeith Morris, which Billy talked about that in the pregame to us, Madison. Um, mm-hmm. um, acclimating Markeith Morris, then yes, it, it does require time to get somebody used to a new environment. I'm a, I'm actually writing about this on thefranchiseok.com, so look for that tomorrow or sometime in the morning. Right now, um, you know, it does take some time to get a guy acclimated to the game to a new team, and. I don't know if you can still use that excuse because right. we're, we're games into the Marquise Morris experience, and then of course the another reason could be like all the fouls. Yeah. You know, this is the third time that one of Russell Westbrook or Paul George has fouled out um, in a game since that Utah game, which Russell fouled out of that game in the second in the first overtime or the second overtime. I can't remember. Like, he didn't play – I think he didn't play the second overtime. I think he fouled out in the first overtime. Paul finished that game off. Uh, the L.A. Clippers game in L.A. where the Thunder lost, both, he, both Russell and Paul foul out. Steven fouls out as well. Mm-hmm. And then tonight, Paul fouls out. Weird. There is just something wrong with this team's defense because – Whatever they were doing that was so fine-tuned is just off-kilter now because that little micrometer of this is this is me forcing a turnover or this is me getting a silly hand-check foul. Yeah. Like the Thunder are crossing that threshold time and time and time again, and it's biting them in the ass in so many games because when Paul or Terrence Ferguson or Jeremy Grant are sitting on four fouls you know, early in the third quarter, their aggression's gone. Yeah. What they do so well on the defensive end – and ultimately what helps the Thunder become the Thunder, that goes out the window. Yeah. So something needs to be done. Like I don't know if this if this team needs a come-to-Jesus moment in terms of, like, stop fouling. <laughs> just I'll give stop, them a come-to-Jesus moment. Just stop fouling. And, like, yeah, I know some people want to probably harp on this team for missing, you know, nearly half of their thir- 29 free throws tonight. But – um, even still, like the Thunder were just outclassed tonight. Yeah. They, they were outclassed by a better team. And yes, I was I was aware that they forced overtime. The Raptors were better. And mm-hmm. it was because they have been one of now many teams in these last few weeks that have taken the Thunder out of their comfort zone and away from their identity and have mopped the floor with them at times yeah. since. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of tweeted something like that during the game because I actually thought both teams played pretty decent basketball uh, the first quarter. Yeah, the first quarter was first fine quarter until was actually pretty good. the second half of the first quarter. Yeah, then was, things kind of started funny. to dwindle. I'm, I'm going to throw Jerry Ramsey under the bus because in the first half of the first quarter, he was like, wow, the Thunder defense looks pretty good. Kind of what I was talking about, they were forcing turnovers earlier in the game. 
And he was like, yeah, like they, but watch them, watch them have what, 35, 40 points and what they scored. I had it up just now. 37? Did they have 30? 39. They scored 39. Toronto scored 39 points in the first quarter or first quarter. So that second half of that first quarter was terrible. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. So I, I, but I kind of tweeted that out and I said, okay, pretty decent basketball was played in the first quarter. And I mean, yeah, until the end, but when you have two teams that are playing good basketball pretty equally at the time, the better team is going to prosper. And that kind of just showed that Toronto really was the better team tonight because they had, oh gosh, I hate to say it, but they had a little bit more talent on their team. They had a little bit more going for them. They had a little bit more energy and they had a lot of bit more accuracy. And so it was just, it was just, you could kind of see that this was kind of a battle between good or two good teams to start, but the better team kind of came out of the fire a little bit faster and that's what Toronto did and that's why they were able to get up by 19 at one point and I mean in turn take away this win yeah I mean the Thunder are still a good team and I mean I think for the Western Conference they're definitely like if you were in the top four at some point during the season and felt like you were probably going to get a top four seed Mm -hmm. I think your first round dream matchup is not against Oklahoma City because as disappointing as they have been they are probably the last team a lot of teams want to see in that first round um, without the home court advantage just because of the talent that they have, the explosiveness that they have. And, hey, like they can go through a bad stretch, which means they could probably turn it back on and go through a good stretch. And you'd hate to be that first-round opponent where the Thunder just, okay, we're going to play good basketball now. Yeah. Um, that would suck. I mean, because the thing about you know the Clippers, like, uh, uh, there's not that much there. I know the Clippers have the – ultra ultra tiebreaker on the thunder because apparently and i had to look this up and aaron davis did a really good job of tweeting this out on his twitter account i think i retweeted it on the franchise but the clippers have the uh, tiebreaker over the thunder even though they're both 2-2 mm-hmm. um the, the series is 2-2 um they go by divisional record and the clippers have that over the thunder so if the season ended now it would stand at the clippers at seven the thunder at eight um the spurs on the other hand you know they're terrible on the road they're really good at home um, so that wouldn't really shock. That wouldn't really scare me if I'm a two or a three seed. Yeah. It's like okay, we'll we'll take care of you at home. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, the Thunder are the last team I'd probably want to see um, in the first round um, in a one eight, two seven, three six, whatever the Thunder end up. So whatever. I mean, are. like the Thunder. You know, make no mistake, the Thunder are still a good team. They're very talented, and they can turn it around. I think I told somebody on the, on the floor after the game. I'm predicting that they turn it around against Indiana just because it would be just a good little mirror yeah. image moment of that's where yeah. I officially kind of threw this team under the bus was that Indiana loss. Because yeah. up until then, it was like, okay, blah, 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 this happened, this happened, and they're just going through a bad stretch. Then the Indiana thing happened, and I was like, okay, this team is yeah, like, this is, this, this is terrible. Something's wrong. This is not a bad stretch. This is just terrible. And it would be just a perfect kind of moment for them to just avenge that loss and basically turn this bad whatever section of the season on its head so that's just a weird prediction but I guess one more thing on Toronto they're so damn good they're good they've got they've just got they've got guys that can just do so many different things they've got just a a platoon of guys I mean everybody knows about Kawhi Pascal Siakam is my first chance to see him in person and he 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 is the most improved player he was 14 of 21 with 33 points <laughs> 17 points in the first quarter yeah, that's ridiculous um, Danny Green was Danny Green he was 5 of 9 he looked like 2013 2014 Danny Green uh, shooting threes against the Thunder uh, Fred Van Fleet you know just a bunch of good guys bunch and, of good you know. people so it'll be interesting to see if the Thunder can 
you know, I kind of like these um, same team back-to-backs, and I know it's not a true back-to-back. They yeah. have a day off. But I, I kind of hope the, the NBA does this more often. They've done, really done it a lot this year. The Thunder did it with Mavericks and the Spurs. But I kind of like having these back-to-backs against the same team because it gives you a chance as a coaching staff and as um, a roster to prepare yourself a little bit more for the postseason because in the regular season you're not really scouting teams that hard. Yeah. You're not putting, like, a huge game plan out onto the floor because you're going to play them and then you won't see them again for weeks. Yeah. You're on to the next team. This gives you a chance to kind of like, okay, we're going to see them two nights in a row. Let's like game plan, like let's find their weaknesses, and then it gets you into that playoff mindset. So I hope that the NBA keeps doing this because I kind of like it. But I do too. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, Brady, we have not even talked about the ceremony tonight. We oh, can just touch on that. Oh. There was actually something big that happened tonight here in the peak. That is my bad, and I'm looking um, right at the, you were I'm looking, looking right, right at, at the it. damn thing. Right no, there. it's really fine. Um, I figured we'd just kind of get to it after once we broke down this game. But yeah, everybody tonight, Nick Collison was honored here in the peak uh, before the game, and it was it was a great ceremony. I mean, the guys had great things to say about it afterwards. Uh, Nick had a chance to take the microphone and really talk and thank a lot of people, kind of bring light to his career, just the thoughts that were going on in his head as he was watching basically his jersey hang above him. So, I mean, that was huge. It's not really a jersey, it's a banner, but still, it's the same thing. I mean, that was just a big moment. And, um, I mean, of course, it's the first jersey to be retired for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think a lot of people had differing opinions on it. I will just go ahead and throw my opinion out there. I thought it was awesome. And I thought that was such a great thing to do for someone like Nick Collison, who has had such a big impact on this organization and the guys who have come through here. I mean, you just kind of see it. There was uh, Serge Ibaka, who came in, he came off the bench for the Raptors, and he immediately sprinted over to where Nick Collison was sitting to give him a hug before the clock even started. So, you know, just a lot of respect for Nick from these other guys. And it was, it was just an awesome thing to see. Yeah, I mean um... – it, it was it was just a classy you know event oh, you know like the Thunder have been very adamant about their appreciation for Nick Collison and what he represents to the organization, the team, the city, uh, the moving from Seattle to Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. I wrote about I also kind of wrote about this on thefranchiseok.com earlier today. Um, something that I didn't really put in there because. Most of my piece was just mainly dealing with um, like other examples of mid-tier to lower-level guys that have had their jerseys retired with their respective teams. Um, something that I didn't really put in there was, you know, the Thunder, they're still a, a young franchise, and, and this is a young fan base. I mean, there are hundreds, thousands, you know, tens of thousands of Oklahomans that have followed basketball in the NBA, you know, before the Thunder came here. But as a Thunder fan base, this is still a young you know, I don't want to say fan base again, but I'm going to have to. Fan base. Um, <laughs> say it again. The Thunder, you know, and in that respect, the Thunder are, you know, they're still trying to build relationships with this fan base by, you know, implanting, you know, good memories, great events, uh, big games. You know, they can only do so much with the team and their individual team success, which the Thunder have been fortunate to have a lot over these last 10 years. Um, but, you know, doing something like this just helps build that relationship a little bit stronger. Uh, with the fan base just because everybody loved Nick Collison. Um, yeah. You can't really say a bad thing about him. Um, although I did see that one clown whose name I won't share on Twitter because I already gave him a lot of, I guess, credit by retweeting him and calling him out for his crazy take of um, the Thunder just doing this to pander to their predominantly white fan base. I'm just 
silly, silly, silly silliness. Um, just shut the hell up, whoever that dude was. Um, anyway, um, yeah, overall, it, it was it was great to see Nick out there. The Thunder gave him all the time that he wanted. He took about, what, 10, 12 minutes yeah, to talk. Yeah, it was and, awesome. And uh, made a few people cry whose names I won't mention. Um, <laughs> me! It was me, everybody. I shed a couple of tears. I thought it was yeah. really pretty. I'm, an, I'm a very sentimental type of person, so this kind of hit me hard. Aww. I know. Crazy, right? They're all growing up, Madison. <laughs> No, and there, there were, I mean, of course, everybody, I think, saw the video on Twitter of Kevin Durant in the club-level seat in one of the suites. He was up there with uh, former Thunder player Cole Aldrich and a, a few other people. I didn't really recognize anybody else. I think it might have been Anthony Morrow, but I'm not sure. And then down in the tunnel before the game, P.J. Carlissimo walked by, and he, of course, still works for ESPN. Former um, Supersonic coach, Thunder coach for the first 18 games of the franchise's <laughs> history in Oklahoma City. So there were just a lot of people here to honor Nick Collison. So, yeah, it was it was a cool event, and uh, um, I'm sure everybody enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool. And, um, you know, it, it's always good to have old Nick Collison back here in the arena. Although I will say, like, I thought it was – like, I know they, it's kind of hard to do logistically, but typically I like – I like when the banner has like a black curtain on it. Yeah. And then they reveal it like all at once. Yeah, that'd but, be kind of cool. Because I couldn't see it because there's like this, I'm sitting up in Cloud City, you were down at 103, so you could see it like it's right in front of us as we're recording this thing. But when I'm sitting up in the press box, up in the nosebleeds, there's this black curtain that hangs yeah. that hangs <laughs> right in front of us in the direct line of sight of the uh, Jersey retirement banner thingy. And I couldn't see it. So, I mean, did they have something that, that they just unshrouded it with or no. was it just hanging there the whole time no it uh it dropped down so it was like real dark up there and then they like shone like a couple of lights and then it yeah. just like unveiled itself so i guess there were some people up there like holding it and then they just like let it go so oh, okay it, like, so, unraveled. So, so they gave it the pageantry that i was yeah talking. it okay. unraveled there wasn't any like curtain or anything that they kind of ripped off of it so i think they were just holding it up and then it all of a sudden just like dropped and that's when people were like wow Maybe they'll do that when Kevin Durant gets his jersey retired. Maybe. <laughs> you never know. Um, yeah, but it was cool. It was cool, yeah. But with that, let us jump to the ever-growing question section, which we called Next Question. Next Question. A few episodes ago. We didn't call it on the call it that on the last episode. So I like it, though. In the spirit of consistency, we will call it again the Next Question segment, sponsored by Russell Westbrook. Um, <laughs> I'll just get through a lot of the funny ones. Okay. Um uh, at my name is underscore Kaylee. What's up, Kaylee? Hi, Kaylee. Um, post a Toby Maguire. No, Toby Maguire. What's his, what's his name? The Spider-Man guy. Spider to Toby Maguire. Is it Toby Maguire? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of Jerry Maguire. That damn oh, no. Tom Cruise. Movie. Okay, Toby Maguire gif of him going why? <laughs> um, let's see. Big Papa at big underscore Papa sixty one said WTF with multiple question marks. Same. Um, <laughs> John, uh, John underscore Mitchell three posts the gif of, uh, I think it's a reverend, uh, tele, uh, uh, uh some televangelist just saying, why? why, why? I love the video clip so you can hear his, uh, so you can hear his voice instead of the gif, but it's just so funny that it's just clips of him going, why, why? I why? honestly feel like why? he would be like <laughs> someone who has like a real deep Southern, like preacher voice. Like why, 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 why? um, my buddy Derek at Morton LB fifty three. Hi Derek. Asks 
is this the end for us, Brady? And no, the end is not. The end is not even near. Uh, we do not know the end. It is written somewhere. Um, I think that's it for all the funny, quick ones. So now that those are out of the way, let's get to the longer questions. And uh, we'll try and get through these fairly quickly for everybody's sake. Um, at underscore little underscore Kiwi asks, after years of having an unstable roster, we finally have a stable core locked in. What small additions would you personally enjoy seeing the Thunder make this offseason? Well, they're probably going to lose Nerlens Noel. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to address the backup role for at Stephen Adams unless they surprisingly are able to keep him. Uh, I'm sure the Thunder would love to to have him. He's been nothing but, you know, great for this team, mm-hmm. especially on the defensive end um, in the backup center position. But they will definitely have to address that. Um, th- this team just – they it needs what it has always needed. They need – they need Terrence Ferguson to develop. They The jump that he made from year one to year two, he needs to make a similar jump into year three. And if he does that, I think everything will be fine. He basically just needs to become more consistent and not so spotty. And his spottiness has been like a month and a half of terrible offensively, a month and a half of greatness, a month and a half of nothing. It like <laughs> You can be spotty, but you know maybe have like two bad games and three good games and a bad game and three good games and four bad games. You know, something like that right. I think would be huge for this team. And they just, need, they just need scoring. And I think, especially with Ferguson, typically third-year players don't go to summer league. Yeah. But they probably need to send him back to basically just do what he did last year and just ball handle so he can develop his ball handling so he can have a game where he can put the ball on the floor and not be timid and basically try to do one crossover and then back up and pass the ball. He needs to have that to his game. If he can do that, the Thunder will be fine. Um, But really, they just, you know, they'll always need perimeter scoring. They'll always need something to help increase their shooting. And, uh, the sad thing is, is everybody wants that, so it's, yeah. it's not easy. They don't grow on trees. No, they don't grow on trees. I mean, they have obviously developed quite well in Toronto because they uh, they shot pretty well tonight. But, um, yeah, no, I agree. I think with the Nerlens thing, I myself don't see him staying here either. But, I mean, if he does, if he does that's great. Um, it's just it, – it is kind of funny because Nerlens has had – like some bad games, but he's also had some good games. He's never really had any kind of games where he just didn't show up and lost the game for this team, though. So, I mean, if he were to stay, that'd be great for this team. It would be great for uh, Steven Adams having the help that he needs. But, I mean, I don't know. Only time's going to tell on what happens with Nerlens. Um, but, yeah, for, like, perimeter shooting and guys like Terrence Ferguson, who – is able to play great defense when he's not sloppy and makes a bunch of reckless, careless fouls. I think he only had, like, what, three tonight, so that's mm-hmm. not too bad. But, yeah, I don't know. I think just a lot of development is going to have to happen for this team if they want to see kind of a change in the way they play and if fans want to see them not all of a sudden go into a weird funk here at the end. Uh, I think things are going to have to change, maybe new guys stepping up, but, I mean – I, I wish I had better predictions for what's going to happen, but I have zero insight on any of that. I'm really curious what this team would look like right now if they had a healthy Andre Robertson. Because obviously we know all the offensive offensive flaws with Robertson, but one thing he can do is defend and defend without fouling. Mm-hmm. So I really wonder if that would have helped this team. It would have helped this team in Indiana. I mean, yeah. just I mean that's that's easy to say. It would have helped this team, and, you know, we still don't have an update on Andre Robertson, so I'm sorry for those that are still asking. Um, I guess CBSSports.com had some weird quip about him 
possibly being updated on March 28th. I've never heard that date other than that. It was so random to see. Uh, I think Kaylee actually pointed it out to me on Twitter. Um, We still don't know. Um, They haven't said no. So there is, I guess, the optimism that he could return. Um, He's definitely a guy that would help this team, especially with the defensive uh, woes that they've been going through. Um, I think this is a good roster. They have flaws, but every team has flaws outside of Golden State. So. Um, Rob, Sony NBA. What up, brother? Once again. Hello. <laughs> so, Abdul Nader is for sure part of the playoff rotation now, right? I mean, I think so because... I would think so. I think so just because the team needs shooting and he provides that. Um, of course, it's going to be kind of a who's who of either him or Raymond Felton or, um, uh, maybe, I, probably not Hamadou in the, in the, uh, playoffs. Um, it's either going to be Abdul, Raymond, Patrick Patterson. Am I losing, missing somebody? Mm, Deontay Burton. <laughs> eh, I don't think the rookies are going to play much. I mean, they've their PT has dwindled in these yeah. last few weeks. But, I mean, I think so just because of his shooting prowess. So, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I think so, too, just because of what Brady said. He, he takes a lot of uh, confident shots, if you may. So, he's I mean... A, he's a good heat check guy. He is, and he, he's had a lot of timely shots also that have been pretty good. So, I mean, if anyone, I, I do think that it would be Abdul Nader to step up in, in crunch time. Ben Noble, once again, asks, this game seemed to be lost due to a million little things, turnovers, free throws, fouling, etc. What do you think is going to be the biggest collab- um, um, calibration for this team? The offensive focus is in disarray especially with the lack of Adams and Schroeder production, too late to adjust. It, it's not too late to adjust. It is never too late to adjust. Got, the, good thing, the good thing about having such a tough schedule is um, thing, like making all these mistakes will not be covered up by the fact that you're just going to end up beating terrible teams. Like if they had two games against Phoenix, two games against Memphis, an Atlanta game thrown in there, and they just beat the hell out of those guys but still didn't improve on any of these things that you talked about, Ben – then what like what really is the point of that? It's like, okay, you'll get a higher seed, but you're just going to get exposed in the playoffs. That's what happened to the Thunder last year. Yeah. They got exposed in the postseason. So that's the optimistic view that I think Thunder fans should have by, um, um, you know, just having a tough schedule is if they get back to their winning ways, it'll be against great competition. And you can be that much more optimistic heading into the postseason because you did it against good competition. So um, I don't think it's too late. Um, but I think if they if I could pick one thing for this team to fix right now, it's just defend without fouling, and I'll take their chances against 95% of the league right now. Yeah, I mean, it's never too late to adjust. I think if they're going to make some major adjustments, then do it now. Like, my goodness, there's 10 games left in the regular season. You have the postseason basically knocking on your back door. You're going to have to make some adjustments if things aren't working the way they are um, going right now and they're not they've lost four straight now so yeah they're gonna have to make some adjustments or they're gonna have to hang their hats up and call it quits so yeah I mean it's not too late for that I think a lot can be done in a short amount of time so I mean they could totally flip the switch and really surprise Thunder fans on Friday uh, who knows so maybe <laughs> that is the that's a kind of the what is it? The spark to the flame of the rest of the season. It's whatever that is. It's whatever it is. I'm going to believe you. Um, Please don't. I don't know. <laughs> I might be wrong. At Bradzilla, yo, Brad Valancourt asks, is this really the Thunder team we have to watch for the next three years? Sorry, it's not more of an optimistic first question. 
Um, no, I think they're a good team. I think they're just – it's just a bad part of the season right now for them, and they're just playing like crap. I mean, it's as simple as that. And Good teams can play like crap, but they're not – I don't think anybody thought that this was a championship-caliber team realistically. I think everybody thought that best-case scenario they – go into like a maybe a second round possibly if everything falls their way into a third round you know run with the Warriors um, but that's the absolute best case scenario so th- they're still you know the good thing for the Thunder is their core is set for the next few seasons all of their primes Adams Russ PG and they will have somewhat room to kind of maneuver things I mean Presti is kind of the wizard of the Thunder have absolutely no trade assets. The Thunder have no money. And then all of a sudden, the Thunder have trade assets. And, then <laughs> and the Thunder money. And they have money. <laughs> they have everything. So, I mean, they're able to, they're, they'll be able to make some adjustments here and there. Um, I like the jump that this team made with Russ and PG from year one to year two. And even if this season ends in the same fashion, a first-round defeat, I will still like the chances of this team going into year three with those two because – I, I can see a development, but there are still the same kind of weaknesses that have plagued them. If they just fix those things, which they are fixable, yeah, then the, the sky could then be the limit if some things fall in the Thunder's favor. Yeah, and, like, I don't know. Here's the thing. I think people got real, real, real excited when Paul George was going on that super monstrous run that he was going and then automatically got, in, got it into their head that – okay, this this team is definitely worthy of an NBA title. They're going to make it all the way to the NBA Finals. This is going to be huge for the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, don't don't get too excited about little things because there, there's just so much that can happen in a short amount of time. So, I mean, the big thing for the Thunder right now is they're just going to have to figure some things out. And I know I say that a lot, but they're just going to have to figure some things out. They're going to have to uh, really make some adjustments that they need to make right now. But, I mean, I don't know. It's It was kind of an obvious thing. I really never thought this team was going to make it all the way to the title game or anything like that. Uh, sure, if they made it to the Western Conference Finals, that'd be awesome. At one point, yeah, I definitely thought they were capable of doing that. But right now, no. Um, that doesn't mean they're going to be a super awful team for the next three years. So I think, you know, there's no telling what Sam Presti's going to do. There's no telling what guys are going to do. And there's no telling what kind of developments are going to be made in a very short amount of time. So we shall see. Boom. Let's try and rapid fire these as we're like at the 40 minute mark. I mean, it's, I mean. I'm honestly like falling I, asleep while I'm talking right now. So I'm so sorry if I'm not making a bunch no, of sense. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, and I love that we have like a, we have, we have like 18 questions and I love that so much. Thank you. I love it so much. Keep them coming. So we're going to try and go through these as quickly as we yes, can. Yes, let's do it. Um, Will Chandler, at Chandler23Will, are we trying to tank to get Zion? No, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I want Zion Williamson with the Atlanta Hawks, or the New York Knicks. Eric Horn and I were talking about this uh, pregame. I want him with the Knicks. uh, Knicks, I want him in New York just for the spectacle. Yes. And it would be kind of cool, I guess, if Katie and Kyrie do go there to see how um, Zion meshes with them. Um, I'm a Knicks fan. I'm not afraid to admit it. I've been a Knicks fan for years now, so I'd love him to go to New York. Or Atlanta because I want to see Trey and Zion just kill everybody. With, kill like, everybody with the pick and roll. It, it, beautiful and, and Boomer Sooner and all that. And all that <laughs> um, White at Whitehawk nine one eight. I don't understand why everybody is so angry. I want I want Golden State in the first round. We're going home anyway, right? Well, I mean, I would love. To, I've been waiting to see a Thunder um, Warriors playoff series. I've been very vocal about how much I dislike the Thunder Warriors regular season games. 
they do nothing for me. They mean nothing for me, even if the Thunder win. They're just, I mean, the Warriors are better. Yeah. But I think the added drama, the NBA thrives on drama, and the Thunder and the Warriors, that has about every single piece of drama that you could possibly look for. So I, I hope it happens. And, yeah, I mean, I, the Thunder, I don't think that they're going to go that far. And uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead and break some personal news here. <gasps> I'm a, uh, I, I scheduled a flight for May 21st to the 28th to go to Florida and that is during the Western Conference Finals because Madison like I told you I am under the impression that this team won't make it that far so I went ahead and got the cheap flight to Florida to go spend a week on the beach so I could be wrong and if I'm wrong everybody feel free to let me know how wrong I was because <laughs> everybody does that every single day no that's okay me too but not I, I mean sorry to break some hearts out there whoever's listening but I think you'll be okay to take your trip. <laughs> um, Julius underscore Rick. Hi. How bad does Stephen Adams miss having Andre Robertson defending on the perimeter? I bad. Mean, I mean, I'm just kidding. I, I mean, know. Terrence does a great. D- Terrence is a really good defender when he's not fouling, but the problem is, is he fouls a lot. Um, <laughs> tonight wasn't really that big of a deal. Not that I, something I didn't really notice that. Wow, Ferguson just cannot stop fouling on the perimeter. Um, and then also Markeith Morris being kind of new and playing around 18, 19 minutes a game. Uh, a lot of them with Stephen Adams. That also affects it too. I think. I mean, I no doubt Stephen misses having a surefire perimeter player on the on the defensive end and Andre. But um, yeah, I'm sure he misses him. I'm sure he misses him just because I think Stephen Adams says not. This is not any kind of dog on Terrence Ferguson at all. But I think Stephen Adams has taken a lot of heat checks this season just because he's had to really step up his work a lot. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he misses having Andre out there doing some really good defensive work, but he'll be back eventually. It'll be fine. Bud Howard, six. Hi. Why is Westbrook shooting the most again? When this team was winning, PG was taking the most shots, and now it seems like Russ is going back to his MVP season. Well, Paul lost his aggression. Like, the injury, if anything, you know, you could say, like, oh, it hurt his shooting, or, oh, it hurt his ability to hit free throws, or, oh, it hurt his ability to get to the rim. What it did was it took away his aggression because there have been a few times in this stretch where I thought he looks like game six against Utah, Paul yeah. George, where he just does not want it. Or if he gets it, he just tries to pass it. And especially late in this game, like, yeah, he hit those two big threes, great shots, big moments for him. Um, but there were a few times early in the fourth quarter where he was just like, ah, like, I just don't have it. I yeah. don't have it from the floor. Someone else take it. So. Um, if Paul isn't going to be aggressive, if you're the Thunder, then you need Russell to take you all these. You want Russell yeah. to take those, because, yeah. Because Terrence Ferguson ain't going to save you. Jeremy Grant isn't going to save you. Dennis Schroeder isn't going to save you. Um, I think Schroeder was good enough to win, you know, three to five games this um, this season, and I think he's met that quota. Yep. So those guys aren't going to save you, so you need Russell to be aggressive. And I know what it looks like. It's like, oh, yeah, when Russell shoots all the time, the Thunder aren't as good. When Paul does, the Thunder are better. But it's like, well, Paul just can't do it because he's still dealing with something. And I'm, you know, it's not, I'm not trying to use the injury as an excuse, but it's just a glaring fact. He's not as aggressive. Yeah. And if he gets back to his aggressive ways, I think you'll see Russell tone it down with the shot attempts. Until that time, Russell's got to score. 25 to 35 points for the Thunder have a chance. Yeah, and what did he score tonight? I mean, he 42. Yeah, he had like yeah, 42 points. So, I mean, I agree with Brady. If Paul George isn't going to be taking those shots, he's not going to be having the successes that like he used to have on offense. And I I want Russell Westbrook taking those shots because he's proved in the past he's able to do that. Has he proved a lot this season? He's able to no, but I mean, 
just I think I, I would feel more comfortable with him really stepping up and leading the team the way he used to in um, circumstances like that just because he seems more of the reliable type of person because we all have seen the kind of aggression he plays with and that actually never deters even if the shots don't fall he still plays aggressive at dual threat at dual underscore threat excuse me three asks literally at what point does firing Billy Donovan become a necessity um, they're not going to fire him it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, but I will mention this. At the end of last season, during Sam Presti's exit um, interview, and during the uh, preseason interview with Sam Presti, Billy, or Sam said this twice. This is a big year for Billy Donovan. And that was before, I guess, he had the official knowledge that Paul was going to resign. And then this is after the official knowledge that Paul George had resigned. So, um it's it's a big year for Billy Donovan, but I don't know to what extent that means. I mean, if the Thunder go and have another first round exit, I don't. They're not gonna. I don't think they'll be. They'll fire him. I'll be surprised. But um, it has happened before. That's uh, true. At Q Spikes, is it a legit question? More and more each day, as if to we can play Adams anymore. Considering most centers have three point or non paint shooting centers, and if so, wouldn't that mean that money should be used? Um, on other players less expensive. Um, I've toyed with the notion of the Thunder possibly trading Steven Adams at some point um, because, yes, like you said, he does have some limitations offensively. But with what they just did tonight, Madison, and they hanging Nick Collison's jersey in the rafters, Steven Adams kind of a similar player in terms of the fans' appreciation and love for him. Oh, man, good luck trying to sell. We just traded Steven Adams to the fan base. I think this fan base would light this place on fire, and I would be right there in the mix of it. Don't do it. Well, because the thing about Steven is, yes, he can't shoot threes, he can't stretch the floor, but he's typically really good defending those guys. And I know a lot of people will just jump on that and say, no, he's not. No, he's not against, like, Anthony Davis or Jokic, you know, guys that are MVP candidates. No one's good against defending those guys. That's why they're MVP candidates. But for the vast majority of the league, even the guys that can stretch the floor, I like my chances with Steven defending them. And, you know, even when Steven gets switched onto a smaller guard, I typically am not that disappointed with that switch. It's like, if you're going to get a center onto a guard, have it be Steven Adams. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, are there any positive takeaways from this game? Something to pull us fans from the, this dark pit of never-ending despair. The team doesn't quit. That's true. Even when they're playing like crap, they don't quit. Even when they have no business winning a game, they don't quit. They so, forced overtime. That was huge. They forced, like, they forced overtime in a game where Pascal Siakam was just hitting everything. all these shots off the baseline. I mean, Pascal Siakam uh, is Cameroonian for – the best basketball player ever. Um, Future Hall of Famer. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they forced overtime. They don't quit. That's, that's what this team does. They've been doing this for the last two seasons. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's good. That's a positive takeaway. There, there are a couple. I mean, just seeing guys like Russell Westbrook continue to be a leader, he was able to go out there and kind of control himself a little bit more after he returned tonight from being suspended on Monday. Um, you know, Paul George, he's – slowly but surely shaking himself out of just the discomfort that he was probably having to deal with. I think uh, Carson Cunningham from KOCO tweeted out that Paul was seen wearing ice on his shoulder again. So 
I mean, guys. I mean, he, he iced his shoulder for like 25 minutes yeah. after in the locker room after the Miami Miami loss. Like he was sitting in his chair in his jersey for a good 15 uh, yeah. to 20 minutes while we were just standing there waiting for him. And yeah, he still had the ice on his left shoulder. So I mean, the, the I really do feel like these guys are fighting through a lot to come out and perform at a high level. So yeah, things aren't going well, but they sure as hell are trying. I. I mean, that's kind of a pity answer saying, like, they're trying, guys, come on. But, like, they really are. They're working through a lot of probably, like, shutdowns in their body. And I mean, golly, I couldn't even imagine playing 82 games in sounds one like, season. So. Sounds like Paul needs a Capri Sun and some orange slices. <laughs> Maybe uh, a Kit Kat. Who knows? <laughs> Patrick Robertson at Pat 2000 asks, everyone that knows more than one play that wins or loses a game, that being said, am I the only one that thinks the final play of regulation was embarrassing? Coming out of a timeout, I expected a better than a 35-foot running fadeaway jumper. What happened? Well, that's what Russ does. That, yeah. um, Billy typically does draw up some very nice out-of-bounds, you know, last-second plays. I mean, he set up Alex Brandis for two really good ones this season. Um, yeah, I mean, you probably want a better option, but, of course, I, I was watching it from the floor level in the tunnel. I'm sure if I re-watch the replay when I do when I get home tonight, um, I'm sure that the first option might have been covered. But, again, I'm not 100% sure. But I'll get back to you on that one, Patrick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think Russell was just kind of doing what he felt was in his best interest to win the game. Russ, I think Billy – He's hit those shots before. Yeah, he's done it before. And I think Billy is showing that he's trusting these guys to kind of make these plays and take a lot of responsibility into their own hands. So, I mean, I wasn't mad about it. It just didn't fall. Right. So, that's the reality. I think this is the last one. The one, and this is from at Julius Reck again. Uh, the one eighty of this team pulled after the All Star break is spectacularly, spectacularly disastrous. Goodness, <clears throat> <laughs> the people demand a body or several. What? Who do we need to send to the gallows? Um, you can send that one dude uh, that I mentioned. Just look on my uh, Twitter timeline that said that that clown that said that nonsense about the Nick Collison thing. You know, send him. Yeah. If if that'll make you sleep at night, send him to the gallows. But with that, um, Madison and I need to get the hail out of here. It's 1.30 in the morning. This is almost an hour-long podcast, and it wasn't a uh, preseason special. Ooh, so. we killed it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, everybody, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We appreciate it. Um, we will see you guys um, Friday night after the Toronto game. Madison and I will be on 107.7 The Franchise. Woo-hoo! 107.9 in Tulsa um, for the post-game. Yeah, I can't forget about Tulsa. Love Tulsa. Love Tulsa. Um, we'll be on the post-game show that evening. Uh, so tune in with us, download the app if you don't, or you're not in the market, if you want to listen to us, but we will take all that audio and use it for the uh, OKC2 podcast. So uh, just join us on the fun that night, and hopefully the Thunder wins so everybody's in a better mood and not uh, screaming at us via yeah. questions. But uh, for Miss Madison Morris, this is Brady Trantham. Good night, everybody. Good night.